0: Welcome to Empowered Owners, the podcast that takes you inside Empowered Ventures. I'm your host, Chris Fredericks. In each episode, I'll have a discussion with one of our employees to discover and highlight their distinct personalities, perspectives, and skills, while also keeping you in the loop with exclusive news, updates on company performance, and a glimpse into the future plans of Empowered Ventures. This is an opportunity for me to learn more about our amazing employee owners and an opportunity for you to hear regularly from me and others from within Empowered Ventures. On this episode of Empowered Owners, I'm talking with Shannon Hayden, Customer Support Manager at TVF. Shannon joined TVF in 2021 and has 19 years of experience in customer service and management. Shannon has a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in management from Indiana Wesleyan University, and she grew up in the Indianapolis area. I'll also be joined by Empowered Ventures Vice President of Portfolio Operations, Mike Algram, at the end of the episode to debrief my discussion with Shannon and also shed some light on stewarding excellence, which is one of EV's four strategy pillars, what we mean about stewarding excellence and what it means to us. With that, let's get to my conversation with Shannon. Hi, Shannon. Welcome to Empowered Owners.
1: Hello, hello. How are you?
0: Doing well. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm great.
0: Good, good. I thought just to start off, we might start with your time or like why you ended up joining TVF. If I understand correctly, you joined TVF a couple years ago, roughly. What led to you joining TVF?
1: Yeah, it'll be two years in August. So a couple years ago, I was at a point where I wasn't quite sure of my next move. I left my previous employer and I thought about what do I want to do? And I wasn't for sure. So I took some time off. I spent some time with my daughter, with my now husband, and just did some, some things to just focus on me for a little bit. And then I found TBF on LinkedIn and inquired about it, spoke with Diana, spoke with Jeff Swedberg. And the more I talked with them about TBF, about the opportunity, the more it solidified my desire to go ahead and start something new i wasn't sure if i wanted to get back into the corporate world i liked doing my thing with my husband with his business and i really liked focusing on my daughter while she was out of school but the more i learned about tbf i i couldn't pass it up i just couldn't so i decided to go ahead and join and i'm still here almost two years later
0: (laughs) that's fantastic So that's so interesting that you left a prior role and kind of decided to take a bit of a break and sounds like maybe support your husband with his business a little bit with only sharing what you feel comfortable. But I'm curious what led to that, that need to take a break and focus on yourself for a while.
1: Yeah, yeah. So. So I've been in management support type roles for almost twenty years, and i've been leading teams i've been in support roles, whether it was a call center or something similar and I really questioned do I want to lead people anymore? Do I want to do something where I'm an individual contributor I wasn't quite sure. But again, once I talked with Jeff, once I talked with Diana and really understood the dynamics of the role here at TBF, what was needed, learned a lot about the culture, it was something new and it was a new environment, whereas it wasn't one of the big corporations that I was so familiar with. It was a smaller organization and it was something that I had never been a part of. So I wanted to take a step back and try something different, even though it was the same, it was also different. So that's really what led me to say, you know what, let's go ahead and try it. Let's go ahead and see what this is all about. And so far, it's been amazing. It's been a great experience. I'm learning something new every single day. And that's important for me. Because again, I've been doing support leadership type roles for almost 20 years. And even though I've been doing that, and I'm very familiar, it's still something new It's still something different that I'm doing here at TBF. So that's what drove me to come on board.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that's so interesting because the feedback, and I I think you maybe you've heard, but the feedback is that you're a terrific manager. People really enjoy working for you. A lot of compliments came through in the prep for this episode, just positive and funny and supportive and all kinds of things. Clearly, your experience as a manager, I think, is positive and strong and good, but maybe you were experiencing some manager burnout or something or a big company environment didn't end up. But so you're a little gun shy about management, but now here at TVF, it sounds like it's working.
1: It is. And I have to say the team that I currently manage here at TVF is so different from the teams I've managed before. And it's so refreshing. This team and not just the CSS team, but just overall within TVF, they are really passionate about what they do and how they do it. I've been in call center roles and many folks know what a call center is about. It's very rigid, very focused on number of calls, how long you're on a call and a lot of metrics. That level of stress and that level of metric driven, it's just not here. It's not here at TBF. And that's what makes Some of the biggest differences for me is being in an environment where it's not solely controlled by metrics and it's not a lot of micromanaging to where I have to literally look to see how long someone has been on a call, how long they've been in after call. All of those different things that come along with a call center or with a support role. This team, like I said, they're so passionate about what they do, how they do it both within our with our external customers, our internal customers, I couldn't ask for a better group of folks to work with because everyone wants everyone to succeed. So knowing that and seeing that is so refreshing for me.
0: That's fantastic. That I think that's a good segue for a topic I was definitely wanting to get into, which is you've spent most 18 years, 20 years in customer service, specifically, I think management and customer service. And a lot of companies Most companies say we have great customer service and a lot do, but I'm curious from your experience, like what do you think truly great customer service is or looks like, or like what are the secrets to actually providing the kind of service that a customer would say is great?
1: I would say for the longest time, all the years that I've been in management and leading in a support type role, customer service type role, the level of customer service that anyone's going to get, it all depends on the people who are providing the customer service. So really focusing on the individual who are supporting our customers or in TVF's case, supporting our sales team. I am really focused on the individual and how do they want to be looked at as a customer support rep or how, what are some of the things that I can help them do and individualize my management to that individual so that they can feel confident and so that they can feel that they can provide the highest level of customer support to our customers. So taking the time to really focus on the individual, whether it's building their skills, whether it's talking through issues, whatever it may be, really spending the time to get those individuals to a place where, again, they're confident, they're comfortable, they're, they don't have any problems with asking questions or anything things like that, but really focusing on that individual and making sure that they're comfortable and making sure that they're in a happy place so that they can then turn around and provide that happiness and that customer, that excellent customer service to a customer.
0: Mm, I love that. Sounds like you take a very people oriented approach, like each individual person, you customize your approach so that you ensure they're able to provide the best version of themselves to the job.
1: Absolutely. Because everyone's different. Everyone is different. Everyone looks at certain things differently. Some people are very driven and they like outward praise and they want they want you to tell them how good they're doing some people they want to be on the back on the back end and don't want all that attention and things like that so it's important for me to learn about each individual employee to understand what their skills are what their areas of opportunity are and to work with them individually and then coming together as a team and really talking about some of those things and how we can do do better as a team to provide that that highest level of customer service too.
0: Yeah. How have you found it to manage in a remote environment? Was this your first time or and how are you going about being successful managing in a remote environment?
1: Yeah, no, this is not my first time. So my last role, I did manage remote individuals as well. It all comes down to just proactive communication, proactively reaching out to individuals, whether it's through teams, face to face, whether it's a quick chat, whether it's a quick phone call, whatever those measures are, just me proactively initiating that is key. A lot of times your support team, they're busy. They're busy with their customers. Again, with TVF, they're busy with their sales consultants. So I have to take that opportunity to proactively reach out and initiate conversation. And it doesn't have to be anything work-related. It can just be, how was your weekend? What are some of the things that you're doing this week or what's going on this week? But really actually proactively initiating what those conversations are to help them begin to communicate as well. I think that's definitely the key.
0: Like just consistent reaching out and communication through whatever platforms you have available to you and checking in with them as people, not just on the work stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So when you joined TVF, I would say TVF was in a journey of creating a customer service or customer support team. It wasn't always part of TVF's like history really to have a really defined and clear customer support team. More broadly to build a new function or do new department. That's what you were tasked with. How do you, how does a new manager not you're not a new manager, but how does a person in a new situation managing the building of a new function in a company, like how do you go about doing something like that?
1: Yeah, I have to say, Chris, it was, and I'm not going to say was because it is, it's definitely new. Although I have been in a leadership role for so long, I haven't been in a leadership role here at TVF. So coming in, bringing a group of customer support specialists together, who all support different sales consultants, who have different ways of doing certain tasks it's it's a again it's a learning thing it's a learning opportunity because I'm very cautious and very cognizant of how things have been done and really trying to understand the whys behind things so again, it's something that I'm continuing to work on even almost two years later, just learning what we do, how we do it, not just from the customer support side of things, but from the sales side of things, from the purchasing, the marketing, all different areas of what we do and how we do it. But again, the biggest thing is communication for me, talking to different individuals, understanding and asking the whys. And sometimes I ask questions multiple times because I may have gotten different responses or different answers, or maybe I just forgot. But Having the opportunity to ask those questions and to really understand what's happening and what's going on has definitely been key to bringing this team together.
0: Yeah, yeah, because what I understand, and as you've done it, you've done an amazing job of doing that with your team and also with the rest of the managers and leaders in both directions. You've just been very relationship oriented and patient and yet persistent is how I guess from what I've heard to make sure it's the progress is being made that everybody wants it to be made. So does that resonate with kind of the approach you generally take?
1: Yeah. And especially with change management, I am one who was very careful to make sure that I understand all components before any changes are implemented or discussed Mm -hmm. or things like that. So I'm very interested on what is sales's take on this change? What about marketing? What about purchasing? How does it affect them? I'm one that's not looking solely on my team, how we'll benefit or what will, how we'll adjust and things like that. I'm looking at all individuals and what does that look like and how can we make it better for everyone?
0: That's amazing. That's great. Have you ever been in an employee owned company before?
1: No, this is my first one.
0: What are your thoughts so far? (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I don't know yet. <laughs> um, I don't know yet. I'm still trying to understand all of it because it is so new, and there's a lot of different aspects to it that I'm just not familiar with. So I'm still learning a lot about it. But what I can see now, and just the behaviors of everyone in in an employee-owned company, again, it's that passion. It's that passion that everyone has. That everyone everyone wants us to do well. And sometimes you don't get that in other corporations or those larger corporations. You really don't get that. Some folks, they're just there for the job and let me do my thing and let me go home. Whereas here, everyone is literally willing to just step in and do what they can to help. Even if it's something outside of their you know, main duties or the certain tasks that they're tasked with, everyone is willing to step in and help. So being able to do that in an employee owned company is something new to me. And it's something that I'm like, okay, I see, I see you. <laughs> I see what we're doing here.
0: Yeah, cool. Very cool. Yeah. Cause I think with your, the timing of when you joined, you'll probably re- be receiving your first ESOP statement here in a few, a couple months is if I'm doing my calculations correctly. So you're about to enter the world of, you're about to be a true, true employee owner here shortly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good though. So far, I'm I, from what I'm seeing and what I'm learning. It's it's all good.
0: Awesome. What about mentors or like growing up? Did you have anyone, a family or colleagues, coworkers, who comes to mind for you that really has played a big role shaping you?
1: I can honestly say, for me, it's been my grandmother. You know, my grandmother had so much wisdom. And she was a very no-nonsense individual, too. She will give it to you straight, whether you like it or not. She will, you know, not sugarcoat anything. But she always spoke the truth. And I knew that everything that she spoke about was to benefit me and to really benefit me as a person and how I approach certain things and how I deal with certain things. So I have to say my grandmother, hands down, has definitely been that person for me who has really molded me and really, really helped me into the person that I am today, both personally and professionally. So if, if anyone were to ask me that question at any point in time, it will always be the same. My grandmother.
0: <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. And I understand you have a daughter too do you take that same no-nonsense no approach?
1: Sometimes she gets me. Sometimes, you know, I fall into her trap, but uh, it's fun. She's she's my only one, and it's hard. You know, I grew up with three other siblings, and to have just the one, you know, it's it's a different experience, mm. and so I'm learning that, you know, sometimes even though she's that teenager, she's 13, so she's into mm. all the, the teenage things right now, and, and I have to really catch myself to not give her everything, I'm like, yeah, just because I can doesn't mean I should, you know, I really have to reel her in and I really have to, you know, try to get her to understand the needs and the wants. Sometimes you're not going to get everything you want. And that was one thing my grandmother had to instill with me too. So uh, she's definitely, you know, a big part of my day to day and and everything that I got going on too. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What about kind of the COVID years?
1: It was tough. At the time, she was yeah. fourth grade, fourth grade, I believe. And I swear, I thought, OK, what are they teaching you in school? Because every time I'm working on something with you, it's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure how to do this. I'm like, come on. <laughs> I don't know this stuff. I, I grew up in the 80s. I don't know all this this new math and these new ways of doing certain things. So it was it was hard.
0: Yeah. That's, that makes sense. Was there anything else you were excited to talk about like work-wise or just, I have a closing question for you too, but before I get to that, like, I don't know, is there, are there any topics you were excited to, t- to talk about?
1: I just want it to be just very conversational. Um, whatever comes up, we'll talk about it.
0: Well, you're definitely doing us a favor coming on. So thank you. So yeah, my last question, uh, what advice would you have for kind of the rest of them? employee owners and the employees of all of our Empowered Ventures company. What advice comes to mind that you can draw on from your career, personal life, just anything that stands out to you as something you feel strongly about that just something that comes to mind?
1: I think one of the biggest things that that come to mind is really taking the opportunity to get to know folks. I think sometimes we don't take enough time to get to know our colleagues and get to know the individuals that we're working closely with, or maybe not as closely with. So really just taking the time to learn the individual and learn what they're about. Sometimes just, you know, having the chance to talk more and to communicate more with people will really give you a lot more insight into either their behaviors, their thought process, or why they think the way they do or why they do some of the things that they do. I think it would really open some eyes to understanding who we are, what we do and how we do it. And it all comes down to just talking with each other and just communicating with one another and just being open to having fun too. I'm one of those individuals yeah. who I like to laugh. I like to have fun. I like to talk about different things that we go through, that we all go through and not being just so focused on the business and day to day and just really taking time to just enjoy one another, learn one another and just really, really work together, work together.
0: That's amazing. And I can see why your team enjoys working with you and for you so much, Shannon. That's awesome stuff. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. I appreciate you coming on. You said you were willing to stick around for another short segment just to get to know you a little bit more.
1: Come with it. I'm ready, Chris.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to take a short break and then we'll be right back. Welcome back. So in each episode of Empowered Owners, after we chat with our guest, we bring them back for a quick and fun segment to get to know them a little bit better. Um, Today, Shannon and I are going to do something I'm really excited about. We're going to draft our top five most iconic apparel and accessories brands of the 80s and early 90s, a very specific category, but I think for good reason. So we're talking things like footwear, apparel, watches, jewelry whatever, the best, like a top five, most iconic. And it's from the 80s and early 90s, which I think a lot of Gen Xers or early early millennials will get as like a really particular period. So I don't know. I'm excited. Do you want to just jump right in, Shannon? You get the first pick. So most iconic Apparel and accessories brands of the 80s and early 90s. What's your first pick?
1: So I'm telling my age quite a bit with with this draft pick, Chris, but it's all good. It's okay. (laughs) I think the first thing for me, and I have them written down, I have always been really big on fashion. So the thing that really stands out with me were the blue jeans that were around in the 80s and 90s. So we had, we had Sassoon, we had Gloria Vanderbilt, we had Guess, you know, in the 90s, we had Levi's, which a lot of folks still wear Levi's today, um, the good pair of jeans. So you can't go wrong with some of those from the 80s and 90s.
0: For sure. So what's the first pick in terms of an actual brand?
1: For me, it was Guess hands down.
0: All right. I'm going to go to my first pick and then send it back to you for your pick number two, kind of similar to you with blue jeans. I think footwear was a big thing in that time frame. And there's a lot of brands to pick from. So I, this is, I don't know if this is the right one, but it's just so iconic now that Nike, I think just that's when Nike became Nike. So for me, my first pick is Nike.
1: That's actually on my list, too. It's actually on my list of uh, even sneakers today.
0: (laughs) And what about you? Pick number two. It's
1: from the 80s, but it's not a particular brand per se, but Mm -hmm. it was a particular fashion statement. So it was back in the 80s. I talk about it as the girls just want to have fun era, where it was, you know, the Madonna era, where it was the leggings and the uh, leg warmers and the, the net. Gloves and, you know, things like that. So it's not a particular brand, but definitely something that was very iconic back in the 80s. Definitely something that all the girls wanted to wear and all the girls wanted to look like. And the, you know, the girls just want to have fun. So I think that, like I said, not a brand, but definitely something that was very iconic back then.
0: My second pick, I'm excited this one's still here. I was curious if you would grab this one. So from a brand's perspective and also just a a particular kind of fashion, hypercolor. That to me was so exciting back then. And obviously not something most people would wear today, unless it's ironically, I guess you can wear it maybe today. But
1: Yes. (laughs) Well, you already talked a little bit about sneakers, but uh, tennis shoes were also on my list. So not specifically Nikes, but because everyone knew about Nikes and Nikes are still around today, but um, we had LA gear we had British Knights. Um, All of those sneakers were, they were super popular back then and everyone wanted a pair.
0: So LA gear, LA gear is your pick. That's a good one. Because we're doing brands, I'm also going to do a blue jeans brand, but I guess it was your top pick. So I think I'm going to grab a really crazy eighties. It's truly eighties iconic jeans, which was Jordache. Pick four for you.
1: I didn't actually think of brands. I thought of more, just different things from the eighties and nineties. One of the styles that's on my list is um, women. Some of the girls will remember this, but back when I was elementary school, junior high-ish, we would wear these charm necklaces. And I had a necklace full of all these random charms around my neck.
0: I for sure remember what you're talking about. That's great. Okay. For my fourth pick, I'm going to go with uh, Umbro shorts. I don't know if you remember Umbro's. I do. Yeah, those were really big. So they're like soccer style, I guess, European soccer style shorts. And nobody was even playing soccer back then, but we all had Umbro's. <laughs> For your last pick, uh, and I know you were thinking more just styles and different things, but any what else comes to mind?
1: Kind of 90s, early 90s are the baggy mm. jeans and the baggy uh, overalls, the overalls with one strap off, you, you know how they, they used to do it. Um, that was a huge fashion thing.
0: Do you remember what was there? A brand for the overalls? I feel like there was one brand that the overalls like everybody. I think it was Guess. I think everyone wanted the Guess overalls. For my last pick, again, kind of going with just throwbacks. Oh, I have too many. I think I'm gonna go with Swatch. So Swatch watches was like the big, the big thing. If you were cool, you had a Swatch. You didn't want to just have a Timex. If you had a Timex, you were very out of style. Real quick, other brands that I thought were interesting or that when I did a little. So Doc Martens, Calvin Klein, and then you covered LA Gear, Converse. Wranglers were kind of a thing for a little while. Yeah.
1: I didn't have Wranglers, but I definitely remember them.
0: I didn't either. No, I was my, my parents always bought Lee jeans because those were the cheapest at Kohl's.
1: Throwbacks all day long.
0: Awesome. Shannon, this has been a blast. Hopefully we'll hear from our listeners who they, which whose list was better, but either way, I think we both won with our list for sure. So thank you for coming on. This has been so much fun.
1: I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. It's been fun.
0: Hi, Mike. Welcome to Empowered Owners.
2: Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having
0: me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining to briefly talk about and debrief my discussion with Shannon and also dig into stewarding excellence, which is one of our pillars of our operating strategy here at Empowered Ventures. First and foremost, what did you think about my conversation with Shannon?
2: Oh, it was great. Yeah. She seems like a really great person. I haven't had the luxury of getting to meet her in person just yet, but really appreciated hearing more about her story and just her decision to join TVF, I thought was really pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've met Shannon a few times in person and she's just as delightful in person as she was on the podcast. And I think TVF's really lucky to have her. So what did you have any takeaways or anything from the conversation? Anything that stood out to you?
2: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It came up a few times throughout the conversation, but you could tell continuous learning and just always learning something new. I think she at one point she even shared that a big part of her job search before joining T V F was finding a position that she would learn something new every day. And I think she even said that specifically. And that resonated with me a lot, just given the fact that I know education and always seeking, being curious, all that kind of popped up a lot in her conversation. And It shows, like, it was just really very cool to hear her talk about all the ways and always coming back to that and saying that she really appreciates the opportunity to learn.
0: Mm. I love that. Yeah. And I think that's maybe we find that's true in in an employee ownership environment, that people that have that continuous learning mindset and and desire that drive almost to keep growing. it's just a really good match. I think in our experience with these types of companies. For sure. Yeah. I think as. Each employee is an owner thinking Mm -hmm. like an owner
2: means also every day going to work and treating your job with a sense of ownership over not just what you're doing, but also a curiosity over the teams. You also heard that in her conversation too, of just always asking questions and inquiring with her employees, with other people that she interacts with just really a huge sense of this like thirst for knowledge that you mentioned.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Let's pivot into our discussion around stewarding excellence. So I guess for everybody, which we, we very carefully chose this word stewarding and really what are we referring to, Mike, when we're even talking about stewarding? Like just big picture for anybody that's curious, what are we even talking about and when we talk about stewarding excellence?
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, for me, it's really this vision of supporting the operating companies on their journey in any and all ways that they're seeking support. And so it it's really starts with that like grand view of just helping being there. Sometimes just as a somebody to voice things to or a shoulder to cry on type of a thing, it really can span all the ways that they're seeking support, but really helping them on this journey because business isn't always easy, but it certainly can be when you've got people that you're able to communicate with and kind of work things out. I think it's really a beautiful thing when we get there.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And in in kind of the context of our business model, we're, uh, we're a holding company, we're an employee-owned holding company. We acquire businesses that many times are kind of transition, needing to transition, not just ownership, but also management to some degree. How do you think about our approach to stewarding and our desire to be excellent in, in this approach? How do you think that kind of fits with what our overall kind of business model is? Sure. Yeah, so when I
2: reference the journey, that's exactly what I mean is like, everybody has a unique journey and every business will have a little bit of their own uniqueness to that. Maybe it's a leadership transition or a unique business issue that they might be having. That's really everything in that is embodied in this journey that we're looking to help them through. But at the same time, getting back to this idea of continuous learning is really as every leader, every employee has this ownership mindset and really does have this thirst for knowledge we're really there just to inject support maybe it's engage a consultant again it's whatever they need that's really the key thing is really there to say hey yeah we have a good sense of the journey that you're on can lead with some empathy and really understand it both through firsthand or through our kind of network but then lean on that and bring in some really good resources for them that might help them accelerate their path through whatever issue or something to celebrate. It isn't always issue related. It could also be some
0: really cool things to celebrate, or we can plug in and help them do that. I'm also thinking that just in terms of other holding companies or businesses that buy and hold many businesses like we are, that there's like a lot of different ways to do it. Like some companies try to centralize, like a lot of the operations at the holding company level or corporate level. Other companies try to create a really strong sense of shared services where maybe all marketing activities are being done at the holding company level or other things like that. And how would you say ours is unique versus others approach? Yeah. Yeah. So I, for me, I think
2: in the short term, it always it seems like you be naturally motivated to centralize and try to get economies they call them economies of scale right where you say hey we can hire one person that can cover all the operating companies that makes a lot of sense and to some degree it does in the short term but when you really look at the fact that we are a buy hold and forever like there's really no intention of selling you the best thing we can do is allow the operating companies or give them that flexibility empower them to go through that process and build those skills in house Again, it could create a little bit of a diverse approach across the portfolio, but there's really some beauty and magic to that uniqueness of that every company will be able to show their strength long-term and saying, hey, yeah, we've solved marketing for us, or we've solved sales for us. And then it's not so much a relying on the holding company as it is us sitting back and really watching the magic play out and say, wow, look how great this company is doing over that long-term.
0: Yeah. That makes so much sense. I'm thinking of some examples of just how this plays out. Like, for example, we don't require our companies to all be on the same systems. They could have different run on their different software or whatever works best for them. Any other examples coming to mind for you of just how this actually plays out in reality?
2: Yeah. Yeah. You bring up a good one, which is the an ERP or enterprise management system is really the it's the core of most businesses. And you're right, we haven't asked and said, hey, everyone's gotta have the same one, even though again, in the short term, there'd probably be some efficiencies to that, but that isn't really what we're about. Every business coming into the portfolio is gonna be unique in their own ways. And so their system needs will also be unique And allowing them to find what works best for their business, as long as it's giving them that intelligence of the, the data that they need and it works for them I think that's really something important that we can embrace and learn to work with as well.
0: Yeah. Makes us a lot of sense with our approach, with this approach we're taking and still on a journey to develop exactly how we're doing it, how we're going about this, because we're still early in our journey as a holding company. It also comes to mind that maybe there still will be some things that from the holding company level, we need consistency or whatever. And we always try to minimize that as much as possible. But like how, and the other thing that comes to mind too is just the importance of having really good leaders in these companies. So with our approach and this long-term mentality, how do we, while as much as possible leaning into kind of this decentralized approach, each company being as autonomous as possible, how do we also effectively just have our standards or anything that we need to Be on the same page with like management of the company so i think it's
2: all rooted and i get back to that kind of original point of it's all rooted in if everybody's thirsty for knowledge i think that from a leadership standpoint there will be a really good sync there because we'll always be learning our way forward through that and again we link arms and try to make that a very positive experience long term and that's the other big piece is that we're thinking so long term that we can be really patient and mindful around what decisions are really most important by making sure that we're well aligned with the leadership on that for sure. Now, of course, yeah, you mentioned too, like then that syncing up. The other thing to acknowledge with this is that we are all part of one enterprise and there is accounting or fiduciary responsibilities in the fact that though each operating company will operate mostly autonomous, employee owners, this is again, the beauty of this model is an employee owner at operating company A cares very much about what's happening at operating company B because we own the whole. It's an enterprise. That's what Empowered Ventures is all about. And so there is a level of governance, a little to some degree, albeit light. We try to toe that line as closely as possible. But yeah, of course, there's definitely certain things like gap accounting or whatever it might be that we do have to follow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it just for me that this all culminates in kind of a need for us to be excellent at maybe having being on the same page with our leadership teams about what those few things are that we have particular needs or views on. And then kind of all the other areas that we fully feel believing that they're empowered and can run the company as they see fits just being really having effective relationship, management, communication, and things like that. That sounds easy, but I think anybody that, you know, is involved in this kind of work knows that it can be really difficult to, to just always be on the same page with these types of things. Does that resonate for you too?
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I think you uncover one the the beauty of the model is the autonomy of the operating companies. The challenge that it poses is also keeping up to speed so that when there is that discussion around, hey, this is a big decision, we need your help on it, that you have enough tribal knowledge of what's led up to that in order to make a really good informed decision together. And so there's a balance there though, for sure, because day to day we as a holding company team, we're not on site. And so there is a level of that autonomy that we have to embrace. We want that, that's actually the beauty of the model.
0: Yeah, totally. If we're gonna make a mistake, we wanna, we would rather lean towards an, the autonomy side than us being too involved. And to have for it to be meaningful, we have to be willing to risk one way or the other and that that seems like the way we ultimately need to lean to really lean into this approach
2: yeah and a lot of it stems from the acquisition itself we've acquired some really great companies and the fact that foundationally they come into the portfolio with such strength and the teams and what they do is a huge benefit to us then to be able to maintain that autonomy again going forward for sure
0: that's awesome Mike, this has been great. Is there anything else you thought we should touch on or that we missed to expound on what stewarding excellence means to us?
2: Not necessarily stewarding, but I didn't hear Zubaz pants as part of the, was that on the list for, I I don't know if I would call it an iconic brand.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, great point. That was on my list, maybe 10 or 15 down. But yeah, that's hilarious. I'm glad you brought one of those up. That was one of my favorite list to put together was just crazy brands. Sounds like you had some familiarity.
2: I was always jealous of the kids that had hypercolor. I never had a hypercolor. Even to this day, I wonder if you can still get them because I might be like, I'm going to go get a
0: sweatshirt. Yeah, I had a hypercolor shirt. Yeah, I think I wore it out. I probably had holes in it. I wore it so much.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I never owned Zubaz, but there was a time where every NFL team, like that's what they were touting, late late 80s maybe.
0: Yeah, that's so funny. Oh, I totally remember that. Good call, Mike. I appreciate you adding to that part of our conversation. Thank you again for joining. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. That wraps up this episode of Empowered Owners. I'd like to thank Shannon Hayden and Mike Algram for joining me, and TVF's Marvi Alvarez and Amanda Sanchez for suggesting topics for my discussion with Shannon. Remember, we want to hear from you. Please give us feedback, suggest guests and topics for future episodes, and tell us how we can keep improving the show. You can reach us at Hello at Empowered.Ventures, or you can contact us through our website at Empowered.Ventures. Last but not least, a big thank you to our production team at Sherry Genius. Be sure to join us next time on Empowered Owners as we explore the lives and stories of the amazing employee owners of Empowered Ventures. If you haven't already, follow our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. Thank you for tuning in.